was a kid in Phoenix back in 1985, local TV channel KNXV 15 introduced their new horror movie host, Ed Scary. More on that sad story later, but in his debut episode, Edmus kicked off with a duo of schlocky movies. Thirst, a 1979 movie about vampires, not to be confused with Park Chan-wook's Thirst from 2009, a movie about vampires, and the movie we'll be watching tonight. And because it's Halloween, we're once again bringing aboard special guest star Allison Starlock to watch with us. This may lead you to suspect that I don't necessarily remember this movie fondly, and I'm just bringing it on for a laugh because my wife's name is in the movie title. Now I ask you, would I do that? We're about to find out the hard way because tonight we're watching Allison's birthday. Welcome to the Hold Up! Each month we pick a movie one of us remembers fondly but hasn't seen in years, we watch it and we decide, does it hold up? I'm John Longino. I'm John Nelson. And I'm Allison Starlock. And greetings, everyone. Welcome back, Allie. Thanks for your, having me. What, what year is this that you've come and guested with us for Halloween? I'm so excited to have you back. I'm trying to remember. I think this is number four. It might be number four. I'm trying to remember. Because you did the others. You right. did. Okay, so it is number four. Last House on the Last Left. Last House on the Left. Event Horizon. And now. And now. Allison's birthday. Allison's, Allison's birthday. birthday. Happy birthday is, to you. Thank you. <laughs> because it's actually, uh, September is my birthday month. So right before you uh, listen to this episode, I will have turned 45. Yes, I am a woman oh, who admits sh- her age proudly. <laughs> <laughs> Achievement unlocked, y'all. I ain't hiding that shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm very proud of you. That's fantastic. Well, there's other things to be proud of Allison for because you have just written and directed your first motion picture. You're hearing it here I, first, folks. I have. I That's have right, indeed. Everyone. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, thank you very much. We will talk about that in a moment. Yes, we will indeed. Uh, first, we should get to our listener emails. Y'all may or may not know, but you can reach us at holduppodcast at gmail.com if you would like to send in an email. You can also visit our website, holduppodcast.com, where you'll find links to our Facebook page, our Twitter page, our Instagram page, and our coven meetup for evil Halloween. <laughs> uh, but That we, one's run by me. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, it's like Pinterest, but with a lot more witches. Yes. Witchrist. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of witches on Pinterest. I don't know what y'all are doing. That's true. It's kind of <laughs> 95% of it from what I can tell. Uh, but regardless, you can email us uh, as uh, one Stanley Daniel did. Oh, I remember uh, this guy. Yes. Stanley, uh, writing back from he emailed us last month and he has a follow up. He says, uh, subject line, sincerest apologies. <laughs> That's not usually what people say to us. <laughs> Dear John, parenthetical Johns, this is in regard. (laughs) (laughs) He went singular last time. That's why we're laughing. He is writing both of us. Uh, This is regarding last month's email that suggested you revisit Event Horizon. As you reminded me, that film was actually covered in last year's Halloween episode. I went through the podcast feed only to see that I'd marked it as played. Since my memory was hazy, I began to replay it. Upon listening, a few things became quickly apparent. One. I had indeed listened to the episode. Two, <laughs> Allison was a great addition, as always. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Three, you guys actually read an email I had submitted congratulating <laughs> you on your 75th show. This is where the snake starts eating its <laughs> tail, folks. Four, everyone felt that Event Horizon held up. That's not true. <laughs> this is where we need to rewind for a second. <laughs> it doesn't quite hold up. 
much more entertaining than I was anticipating. <laughs> I was the only holdout. Sounds like I'm gonna set the record straight. I, I, it was a, it was, it was voted as a holdup, but there was one person who said no. Oops, and, yes, and that was me. It I was, was gonna say, and let's guess. <laughs> well, Since I, I'm defending my Stan, honor, Stanley here listened to the episode. He said everyone felt that Event Horizon held up. That is what the record will show. Uh, oh. Now please seal the record, and we move on to number five. There's two justice systems. <laughs> well, in the world. I don't, I don't remember you being like strongly saying that it didn't hold up. I think no, you were a little was, on the fence. So maybe that is what our friend Stanley is thinking. I mean, he's probably just, yeah, I mean, I was doing my like, eh, it's all right, but it doesn't hold up. And he's like, oh, <laughs> still counts. Uh, five, the episode was my motivating factor for revisiting the film in the past year. I cry a thousand pardons for my mistake as both time and my memory have become somewhat unreliable in the unrelenting hellscape which it's also known as our shared reality of the past few years. Well, well written, Fair my enough. friend. I like that. Cry a thousand pardons. I think that's a gunslinger <laughs> reference. I'm sincerely looking forward to this year's Halloween show that I'll inevitably forget before Halloween 2023. <laughs> Keep up the great work. Warmest regards, Stan. P.S. Event Horizon is mostly hot garbage. <laughs> there you go. He's with you on there, that one. There. You know, let the record show. No, that not. was sort of elegantly put. Here's all of these. Lovely points. Here's all these great yeah, points. That movie sucks. <laughs> That's uh, the best way. Thank you, Stan, for writing us and for now appearing on yet another Halloween episode with your email being read. So I know we will it's keep like the tradition. Tradition, exactly. Tradition. Uh, Nelson, we received another email. We sure did, and it's from Tyler. You might remember who requested last month's movie, The Last Boy Scout. Subject line. Let's clear something up about the Boy Scout. Now, for the record, Nelson, you and I were came in with a does not hold up. Yes, on the it last was a double scout. barrel does not hold up. We, we were a, a little harsh on it. <laughs> hey, Johns, thank you so much for watching The Last Boy Scout. But I feel like we got to clear up a few things. Yes, I am younger than you gentlemen, but I am not that young. Now, this is where I'll remind you, A, I said that, and B, I'm actually 10 years older than Longino, so you are that young to me. <laughs> I grew up with buddy cop movies and those classic action movies. One of my earliest memories is watching Die Hard with my dad on VHS. Yeah. Overall, I'm a sucker for neon wars. Yeah. And if they do something just a little bit different, then I'm going to like it. Fair play. There are many classic noirs that don't make sense, convoluted, and done poorly, but are still regarded as classics. This is the truth. I mean, the writer of The Big Sleep didn't know who killed who. Well, the screenwriter, or no, the, the novelist didn't. Raymond Chandler didn't. Raymond, they asked Raymond Chandler, and they said, hey, what, how, who, why did they do this? Who killed that guy that died? He was like, I don't know. I don't give a fuck. No. I wrote that in two days. <laughs> <laughs> you know I got paid by the word, right? Also, that opening scene is so precious for what it is because there is no way that Hollywood Studios now would let a football player pull out a gun on a football field. You got to appreciate it for that era of filmmaking. You guys may not think it holds up, but I will defend this movie. Finally, I know you guys don't like the original Top Gun, which I agree with. Honestly, it hurts my eyes because it's disorienting. <laughs> but did you guys watch Top Gun Maverick? I feel that's the movie that Tony Scott wanted to make but couldn't for technology reasons. Comments? And then he's got a PS. Last thought, just admit that The Last Boy Scout is better than Dick Tracy and we can move on. Uh, <laughs> I, I done can't. and done? Yes. Yes. I, Tyler, The Last Boy Scout is better than Dick Tracy. You, yes. You heard it here. Uh, we have made peace. So. Uh, Maverick. You yes. saw Maverick, right? Uh, I have not, actually. Uh, just oh. to, to quickly answer the question, it is on my radar. I wanted to see it. Uh, I just didn't get around to being able to go do it, and I'll probably catch it soon. 
Mm. But uh, I do actually want to see it as someone who hates Top Gun. <laughs> uh, it actually looks pretty good, and I suspect I will like it. I love I love Top Gun, um, even though I probably shouldn't. But really, it's more of a hormonal thing. Like mm. that movie came out at the right time of like, hey, look at all those shirtless dudes. But um, I haven't seen Maverick yet. But I've heard that is like a go to the cinema kind of experience. I have seen Maverick. I saw it in an IMAX theater, and I uh, quite enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Um, I I actually think it's better than the original Top Gun in that Maverick has a whole different story to tell, and I won't reveal what it is. The direction was really good, and it also addressed uh, Longino's dislike of the shooting inside the cockpit, where it where in the original Top Gun, all you could see was the blue sky around them. So them looking around and going, I can't see it, and all that stuff was irritating to Longino. In this one, they took the time to either shoot from the cockpit as they're flying over land, and you can see the land moving under them. Uh, I assume that's if it's Tom Cruise's plane. Everybody else's plane, I'm assuming it was uh, green screen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I enjoyed uh, Maverick quite a bit. Fantastic. Well, thank you, everyone, for writing in. And uh, that brings us to tonight's spooky festivities, Allison's birthday. But before we talk about that, we should talk about Allison's movie. My I wife. I see what you did there. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I got something. I, you know, it's not every time, but I got something. He has something. a master's degree. <laughs> Tell us all about it. I mean, uh, we've I made been, a movie. We've been sitting on this secret for three years, folks. That's right. <laughs> She's been coming on this show every Halloween and pretending, oh, I'm a, yeah, I'm a filmmaker with nothing going on right now. <laughs> yeah, she just wrote and directed her first movie, The Apology. Yes. And uh, tell us all about it. The Apology is a psychological thriller. It's about a woman, an older woman, who is living alone. It's Christmas Eve. It's middle of the night. And um, she's reached a real point of despair. She's been searching for her missing daughter for 20 years, and obsessively so. It's kind of taken over her life in a lot of ways. And suddenly she gets a knock on the door, and it's an old friend, her actual ex-brother-in-law, her actual ex-love. Uh, and he says, oh, man, I'm, you know, that terrible snowstorm outside. Christmas thriller, therefore snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> I crashed my car and I noticed I was really close to your place. You know, can I come in? They start catching up and and, uh, and then he finally confesses that he did not come there by accident. He came there to tell her something very important. And oh, there we go. Shit. Perhaps to apologize <laughs> perhaps to apologize for something somebody's gonna apologize in this movie i promise that yeah somebody or somebody. are they <laughs> somebody's gonna want to be sorry somebody's gonna be sorry oh they're gonna make somebody sorry if you want to find out what it is you can go see it go see it at the releases. movies yes yeah. it is coming out in theaters and at same day and date with uh shutter and AMC Plus. Oh, on shit. Yes, I was very, very, very excited to hear it was also going to be on Shudder because I am such a huge Shudder fan. Uh, our release date we'll is... We'll take our Shudder money now. <laughs> and so December 16th in theaters near you in Los Angeles and New York and hopefully uh, spreading across the world after that. And uh, day and date streaming on AMC Plus and Shudder. Thank you in advance for going to see it. Or staying home to see it and tweeting about it and uh, writing about it and, uh, you know, clapping a lot, whatever it is. Thank you. We have such amazing actors in this movie. It's really quite the privilege for a first feature to have these, like, incredible actors. So we have Anna Gunn, who played Skylar White on Breaking Bad. 
And uh, yeah, if you listen to this podcast, you probably also worship Breaking Bad, and uh, <laughs> she's crazy good in it. And uh, Linus Roach, who was uh, in Mandy, played the big bad guy in Mandy. Yeah, he played the Manson-type uh, cultist in Mandy, and he was amazing. Yeah, he was amazing in that. He's amazing in this. Loved working with him. He is just like, he's a real swell. He was also Bruce Wayne's father in Batman Begins. Thomas Wayne, for all you yes. super nerds like myself out Why there. Why do we fall? <laughs> <laughs> and he was also, uh, he was the king on Vikings. He was on Homeland. He was in um, The Wings of the Dove, which is back in the day, which is one of my favorite mm. movies. Nice. Which is what I knew him from originally. And Priest. But yeah, obviously I'm a very big fan of my cast. I could go on and on about their credits, but he's he's fantastic in this. And uh, and Janine Garofalo. Janine Garofalo oh, is man. in my movie. I worked with her. I've talked to her. <laughs> she is very, very, very smart. She is very, very supportive and sweet and really, really funny and very um, dramatic and natural and sort of quiet in this film, which is not what we typically see Janine doing. So I think you might get a kick out of that. She's she's one of my favorite things in the film. I've seen the film, everyone, just so you know. I mean <laughs> my wife my wife no showed fair. my wife showed it to me. Actually I've seen a version of the film yeah. too. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> these yeah, these two gentlemen here have uh have been helping me along the way for sure. Have been nice uh, sounding boards through the whole process. So uh so you wrote this thing because the thing that gives me inspiration on this is that I remember when she said to me about three, four years ago, oh, I think I know what I'm going to write next and I want to direct it too because it's really small. Uh, and then she told me about it and then she started working on it. And then one night, I don't remember if it was like after a holdup you know, recording or something like that. But I remember her specifically standing in our hallway, pitching it to Longino yes. and Longino mm -hmm. going, Oh, that sounds really awesome or whatever. And it just, you know, for three years later to be a, a, a real film is like, is huge. It's being produced by company X. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's been produced by company X who, um, who made Mandy and no man of God and color out of space and a whole bunch of your favorite, um, smart, strange, Flicks that have come out in recent years, and it's distributed by also a genre giant, which is uh, RLJE Productions. One of the producers, Stacy Jorgensen, was on our catch-up episode, the Before Trilogy. So if you want to yes. hear from them, friends. yes, yeah. one of my old friends. So I got to make a movie with this dear friend of mine, who's uh, gone on to be much fancier than me, and <laughs> and uh, and took me along for the ride. And, and Lisa Whalen, who's the CEO of Company X, who just was a dog with bone, keeping the movie going all this time. And uh, Kim Sherman, who's been my true like creative partner on the film, who's just been um, every little step of the way, just keeping me, keeping my eye on the prize of what kind of movie I want to make and helping me do the best job I can. Great, just amazing, amazing producers on it, amazing cast. I mean, it looks beautiful. The, the score is by this amazing Parisian woman who... I think you'll hear a lot from her. Her name is Uelle L'Amour, and she does just incredible sound design and vocal work within the score and just did i would just say these like random artsy words to her and she would come up with these <laughs> incredible creations oh, what's, so. what was the thing you said to her that became the title of a track oh that, yeah violent missy quick violent messy quick yeah so it may you may be able to get the soundtrack soon and see a track yes. called violent messy quick yes yes if they still i don't know how they'll do it in terms of how they name the tracks on the album but there will be a soundtrack album i mean that's pretty incredible it, there's going to be a poster 
It's gonna be. We have a trailer. It's so real. This is a real, honest to goodness, actual motion picture made by someone here appearing on the holdup. So, see, we don't just talk about movies. We actually, some of us, make them. Not Nelson and I. We just complain about movies. But you actually created one. I'm very proud of you. Thank you very much. So it's very fun to get to start to talk about it because it's just a brand new sort of. We've been keeping it under wraps and until we knew kind of where it was going to land and all that good stuff. So. Yeah, it's been quite the privilege and quite the all-consuming hurricane. (laughs) It's been sort of everything at this house, but that's awesome because y'all can go see it now. Go to the theater and see The Apology. The Apology. If you're in New York or L.A. or if it's, you know, later on moved to different theaters. Hop a jet. (laughs) Yep. That's right, man. Post online about how you want it to come to your town. You never know. Yeah. So very exciting. So now we can talk about Allison's birthday. Fantastic. Yes. So Okay, so for my birthday, what should we do? <laughs> yeah, we're going to we're going to go to the uh, Saddle Ranch and we're going <laughs> to The Saddle Ranch. So uh, Nelson, since you've chosen a very cutely Allison's birthday yeah. for Halloween, I must confess before we begin to discuss, I've never heard of this movie. I know not a goddamn thing about it. Even your intro doesn't really give me anything about what the movie's about. It really doesn't. I know nothing. (laughs) Obviously, you've seen it uh, back in the day. Uh, Allie, what do you know about this movie? I I have seen it once before. uh, John and I watched. Yeah, I think this is this will be his second time in my or your third time in my second time. Yes. I remember watching it when we were pretty newly together. So this would have been probably like ninety nine. 2000 <laughs> like really a long time back ago ancient year 1999 yeah. yes back like way in back in 1999 which as we know before before many year of, the, of our lord before many of our listeners were born that's true unfortunately yeah, it might be true <laughs> we, and i'm sure you welcome all of course we do we love gen z we watched it and um it's one of those movies where i genuinely am like is all of, are all of my memories from this movie or are they also Around the same time, we were I was rewatching, and as I have many times rewatched the Friday the Thirteenth series, mm-hmm. I was I remember we were rewatching that. We also watched a movie called The Sentinel, and I believe <laughs> that character's the lead character's name is also Allison, <laughs> if memory funny. serves. And so um, I think my brain melded the three movies sure. into one film, but I'm not a hundred on this. Longino has to guess what the movie's about. <laughs> oh, well. sure. Well, here let, I'll keep it nice and sweet. Uh, there's a girl named Allison. She has a birthday, <laughs> and then people get murdered. Oh, <laughs> that's God! You're so. That's about all that's, I can guess. That's like, crazy. So how you smart, how you, man? Your reductive, reductive skills, not reductive, um, deductive, deductive skills are just. Well, it's reductive as well. Right? <laughs> it's fair, but yeah, no, I, I'm shooting in the dark. I know nothing. So that, that, I mean, it's obviously it's a horror movie. We're here at Halloween. I doubt they just have tea and go home. So <laughs> right. I'm guessing bad things happen. But okay. I, how or why or what's going on? I have no idea. I assume because it's Allison's birthday, that will somehow play into what's happening. What genre of horror? Like what? What general thing do you think? It, like. Is it a gothic? Is it a slasher? Is it a... Uh, if I had to guess slasher, okay. but that's... Uh, to be fair, uh, I have nothing to really go on other than just a gut feeling. But I'm guessing... If this is your pick. I'm going <laughs> to guess it's the like late 70s because that's just sort of your wheelhouse. I'm going to guess this is like everyone's at a house getting their throats slit one by one as candles blow out on a birthday gig or whatever. Now we're talking. Like, uh, that's kind of what I'm expecting. And okay. then if I'm lucky, what I would hope for is some kind of whodunit 
you know, one of these birthday guests is, is cutting throats and we don't know who <laughs> or why and we have to figure it out. That would be amazing, but I don't Turn, Turns out it's, uh, Scream just lifted the plot hole. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, it did. That's sort of the, that's <laughs> sort of the joke of Scream kind of is that it lifted night. all I mean, the plot. It just is yeah. what it is. So. Yeah. All right. And now, Allison, you were talking about what you remember. Yes, I think if memory serves, there's something bloody about the cake, but maybe that was just the poster. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's like a fucking I'm trying to remember knife if, like in the middle of a birthday cake. Or I'm whatever. trying to remember if there was actually because there is a movie I've seen where there is like blood and stuff inside the bir- a birthday cake. But I can't remember if it's this one. That's the thing about being a horror lover. You're like, I don't know. It all, it all blends. <laughs> um, and I do think there was like it's like it's a house party for her birthday. So some of it is inside and could have sworn it was a campfire kind of situation outside in her backyard. But um, yeah. That's pretty much what I remember. <laughs> I don't remember any of the specifics. I don't know el- what else this is about at all. I, re- I do remember, though, generally speaking, the feeling of it, right. which was, this is so much better than it should have been. And, and, <laughs> right. and we had, because we had rented it as totally like a hate watch, which, you sure. know, I don't tend to do anymore, but I did then. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so we were just like, oh, it's called Allison's Birthday. Like, there's no movies with my name in the title, so we will watch watch it it was just one of those nice unexpected things where you're just like oh this movie is much smarter and much more entertaining than i expected it to be and so that makes me suspicious about whether or not it will hold up because (laughs) it's sort of like is was it better than the shit i expected it to (laughs) be was it better than hot garbage or is it actually like kind of clever and interesting and spooky Hmm. in some way or Nelson, who, who's in this film, and why is one of them John Saxon? <laughs> I wish John Saxon <laughs> was in this movie. It does, uh, it does sound out. like it. Though, I was it? just hoping to look like a genius, but no, nah, it's, well, it's mean, not a bad idea. I like. mean, that's 50% of you know 70s movies is John Saxon being in them. But uh, unfortunately, no. I think this movie is Australian. Oh, okay. I, I don't okay. know this for a certainty. Oh God, I completely forgot about that. I, I think I you're right. I think though. I don't. I don't remember specifically. So it's uh, you know it might just be you know Missouri. I don't know. Maybe that's part of why it was better. Like made the trip. <laughs> but I just remember when I saw you know again I saw this on a you know a late night horror double feature you know TV program where uh, now I can tell you about the host Ed Miscarry. He was basically an Elvira ripoff. And he came on the show and he at first had like no watches except me and my friends. And then like slowly over the course of, you know, time, he got like, I I don't remember, like a second episode. He like, oh, we got letters. We've got letters, piles and piles of letters. And he holds up a single letter. (laughs) And then by the time, you know, by the time the show, you know, came to its uh, ignoble end, uh, he had, you know, every week he was just getting piles of letters and there was, you know, letters all over the place. And, you know, he would put the art up and shit like that. It was very like audience interactive. You know, and in Phoenix, that was a big deal because we had nothing else. And so, but as it turned out uh, later on down the road, Friday Night at the Frights ended very quickly and unexpectedly when Edmund Scary was arrested for molesting his nephew. <laughs> or allegedly and, molesting well, uh, no, he, 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 he was convicted. No, Thanks okay. for bringing this he, tale here. He went like to prison it. for it, and it's his, it ruined his life. And somebody else's, <laughs> I'm assuming, as well. Yes. Uh, but on that first episode, it was the movie Thirst, which is this 1979 movie about a cult of vampires, but they're like businessmen vampires, and they're trying to convert somebody over to being a vampire, so they keep trying to trick her into drinking blood. 
but it's creepy because like everything she eats like has blood in it and that, <laughs> and she keeps trying to escape the compound and they keep you know picking her up and getting her again it's it's very weird and i haven't seen that movie since but i should uh, pull that one out someday but this movie had a very similar feel even though it was a different story which is the titular allison as you say allison um <laughs> is basically like the victim of a cult who has decided that they're going to resurrect their god into her body. Oh my God. When she turns 19. And oh. I don't remember most of the movie. I just remember the creepy Ouija board scene at the beginning or seance. Right. Or, you know, it's just these giggling girls going, hee hee hee, we're going to summon the devil or whatever it is. And then suddenly one of them gets possessed and starts warning her, Allison, they want you for. And I think the thing's name is Myrna. They want you for Myrna. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, what the fuck is this? And then the rest of the movie happens <laughs> and I won't spoil it, but uh, she gets chased by cultists. Huh. So their their plan uh, is not a surprise in the film. This is not a Rosemary's Baby esque like no. thing. It's like we know from jump. This is the cult's yes. goal. It's okay. basically it's it's not so much a surprise as a ticking clock. Okay. She has 19 years by which to uh, avoid her fate, oh, wow. apparently. Okay. Because it has to happen on her 19th birthday. Oh, I see. Okay. They have to they have to do it, you know, for some reason on Allison's birthday, and that's the last that I remember of that. But I do remember again, you know, because when I saw it as a kid, you know, I saw a lot of shit as a kid and you know call it gold and so <laughs> later years i was like i wonder if that was any good so allison and i rented it basically as a joke and then it turned out oh that wasn't nearly as schlocky and shitty as i thought it would be that's interesting but i do remember i mean that seance scene actually scared the bejesus out of me when i was like 12 or 13 or whatever it was when i first saw it so that whole like evening scared the bejesus out of me maybe that's wow, why yeah. i really liked edmus so much at the time is it's like wow he's i've never heard of these movies they seem like shit because again it's like you know vhs oh everything's crunched down to look like a snuff film <laughs> <laughs> but it just i don't know it all worked on me really well so i have to confess like I, one i've never heard of this movie um, and obviously, there are many things I haven't heard of. So I actually, <laughs> I, I don't mean this sarcastically. I mean this sincerely. Does this movie have like fame or acclaim beyond this viewing on local television? Or is that kind of how you know about it? I I know I have seen it on horror lists for sure. Okay. I've seen it on horror lists of like, you know, sort of like the, uh, the gem you've never heard of, you know, kind of lists. So I have heard like it has shown up repeatedly in, like on lists of like, you should check this out. This is the thing about the movie. It has that 70s creep factor. And there's something about sure. certain like, you know, pre 80s horror movies that just uh, a lot of them just have this magical bump because they're just fucking creepy. They look like people, <laughs> you know, filmed it in their backyards and they That's maybe... That's what I was going to say. It's yeah. the verisimilitude of them. Yeah. Well, they did. I mean, these were none of them expensive, but they all, you know, it just always looks like, oh, they maybe accidentally killed one of the actors during the filming because <laughs> they used real knives. Right. You know, it's got that kind of a feel to it where you're just like, are they fucking with me? Or is this like really scary? I, or is it just weird? I don't... But it does have a really high creep factor. At least in the beginning. I mean, again, I, you know, it probably is one of those that goes on too long and you start to relax. But I just remember being really solidly creeped out by it. Both of those movies, like I say. And then you'd have Edmund Scary pop in and be like, wasn't that scary? <laughs> <laughs> he was funnier than that. And you're like crying. I loved it. I loved the whole thing. I never missed him until he committed felonies. 
Asshole. Oh, that, up the creep factor. <laughs> it's certainly up. We didn't even know why, but it seemed creepy at the time. Because he was a creep. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to go out on a limb, though, and, and perhaps guess that it's not going to hold up. But oh, I'm going to wow. still. What? Okay. How dare you? I'm going to still. I'm going to. Uh, but you know what? I never like. For liked, your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? No, forget this. That's not the way I like to ride. I like to be supportive of other filmmakers. Oh. I like to be optimistic. I'm going to say it's going to hold up. And then we're going to get turn a whole bunch more people onto this undiscovered gem. You know. I think I'll go similarly. I'm going to say the chances of it holding up might not be great, but I'm going to I'm going to go for the maybe it's not perfect, but it's like like you say, an undiscovered diamond in the rough. Like there's things about it that, you know, really work because that I mean, I'd seen even at the age of 13, I'd seen a million seance scenes and they were all laughable. And this one, I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. I'm really torn on this one. Uh, one, I mean, it's hard for me to make any kind of guess because I haven't seen the movie, don't really know anything beyond what we just discussed in the last few minutes. But uh, there, there's some interesting things I'm kind of picking up hearing you all talk about it. One, I understand that at, at a, it, this is a very intense 12-year-old memory for you, Nelson. So <laughs> yes. I know I have those myself where it's something scares the living fuck out of you when you're a kid and now it is with you forever. Right. Even if no one's ever heard of it. <laughs> sure. Um, for me, it's like I remember watching House on Haunted Hill and this creepy it's like laughably the dumbest boo scare it, it wouldn't mean anything now but for a child it's terrified me right and so that really stuck with me so i i hear that and i understand that and i'm sort of looking forward to that at the same time i i have to weigh in that ali didn't remember anything about the movie at all <laughs> <laughs> confused it with friday the 13th possibly like you know so yeah. i didn't seem to have like a super strong impression so that leaves me skeptical <laughs> to the quality but again much like ali said herself i'd like to be supportive i have no real reason to doubt and i generally trust her opinion so i will go in happily expecting this to hold up and at least be a fun time for us Oh, it'll be fun. I, I have no doubt about that. We always have fun with horror movies on oh, this yes, show. Yes, we do. <laughs> because either they're scary and we're like, yeah, or they're not and we're like, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we are going to light the birthday candles and go get murdered <laughs> as we go celebrate Allison's birthday. Woohoo! And we'll be right back. <laughs> If there is a spirit in the room, please move the glass towards the yes. Who is it? Alison! Murder's coming! a birthday party we have had <laughs> Allison's birthday has been celebrated wherein we learn for the first time that John Longino has a phobia about old creepy women <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yes I do I'm surprised you didn't already know this there's been a few movies we watch where this happens but yes this is like... well I mean as we'll get into the reaction that that I saw tonight was <laughs> chef's kiss <laughs> I mean, in I, his defense, that was a decidedly 
especially creepy old lady. Yes. Like, it, really, they did like, great with there, the There's a whole story point about how very, very much of a husk of a person that yes. she had to be yes. by that yes. point. The, so. the uh, scare we are referring to, of as we all sort of discussed before going into the movie, it's Allison's birthday. She's celebrating her, I believe, 19th birthday. Yep. Yep. As John described very accurately, uh, <laughs> she undergoes a the most budget uh, Ouija board uh, seance ever where they use Scrabble tiles. <laughs> uh, I've never seen that one, but it made for an interesting little opening. And yes, she's warned that the cult is after her and uh, that she it should look out. But uh, lo and behold, she still goes home to her aunt and uncles, even though her <laughs> ghostly father like possessed her best friend and warned her not to. But yes, while she's staying in this home of the aunt and uncle that raised her, through happenstance like an old creepy lady just is like living in the attic unbeknownst to Allison and of course they play this up for all the terror <laughs> it's worth and she sort of teased early on looking through a window at our at our star and I remember going oh no like <laughs> it was sort of almost like grandpa in Texas Chainsaw like hidden up in the attic or something it very and much has a has a quality of that with the the makeup design yes too. Yeah. for sure so yes yeah, she's meant to be 103 years old and then there's this moment she sort of wheelchairs her way to Allison's room and we see close-ups of the wheels and the you know her kind of shawl and I knew like we were gonna see this creepy lady and it's just hard cut it's like Allison wakes up looks and then it's just a shot of this scary old lady looking at her they light her in a way where you can't really see her eyes they're like all dark and <laughs> yes to John's delight I just went Jesus Christ yeah, like, I, <laughs> he literally like retreated on the couch he like yeah, like, he, you know, <laughs> pulled good. himself into a fetal position and was like, oh, my Jesus fucking Christ. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, you were yelling. I was like, oof, everything. Because, again, we can't understate that this is not like some, you know, age phobia that we have going on here. This was like, it was like a monster makeup situation. Yes. Like it was, no, I mean, it was know. deliberately set yeah. up to be the creepiest thing that they could. It's not just like old people or weird, whatever. This is like, this <laughs> is like 40, a monster. <laughs> some 45-year-old woman saying, oh my God, old people. Well, oh, I, man. I, you know, speak for yourself. While the makeup was good and she did look very old, this, this plays into a phobia I have oh. from childhood. Fair enough, then. I had a reoccurring dream as a young boy where I would w be in the dream and then there was a house in like the darkness and I'd walk up to the house and open the door and a veiled old lady would be standing there just laughing at me. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah and I had this dream like constantly. So he basically just dreamed of the day that you would watch Allison's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> no, I dreamed of the day I would watch Insidious, and I dreamed of the day I would watch <laughs> The Woman in Black, and like in, in various other films that use this the trope. That, uh, yeah, that all scare the living fuck out of me, because whenever, yeah, whenever it's a creepy old lady, I'm just like, I'm out. Like, I can't do it. So this was highly effective in that regard, and uh, yes, she scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, twice. She, two times this 
uh, old lady appeared and, and Longino had this oh my god the, the second time was even funnier because he could see it coming he's like Jesus fuck no <laughs> and I was like well that is uh, something I don't see every day so gotta give the movie instant two points for uh, two absolutely two boo scares on genuinely scaring the shit out of <laughs> Gen- yeah, yeah exactly uh, I will say as someone who had not seen the film at all and we had certainly hinted and talked about the cult nature of the movie I did appreciate that the film didn't really waste any time nor attempt to sort of trick us into <laughs> thinking that everything was fine. I did appreciate that it was played very clearly that like, <laughs> her family was a cult and that they were super evil. Um, what did you all think of that? Uh, I kind of, well, we, we joked about it quite a bit. The, we, you know, we talked about it. It's like, this is like Rosemary's Baby, except there's no surprise at the end. And they're pretty much just uh, leading her down the garden path. And they switch protagonists. <laughs> yes. yes. I, my big impression of it, and this is going to sound harsher than, than, than I actually feel about the movie, but I think it's interesting that this is a movie like Rosemary's Baby about a woman's agency being taken away and (laughs) the protagonist is her boyfriend. (laughs) Well, he becomes, like, he's just this dolt who kind of follows her around for the first half of the movie and then when shit starts getting real, you know, they have to check her out because they're like, well, we can't ever just, like, keep going to the, you know, keep leaving the house because they wouldn't let her after a while and after a while they're like, nope, we're not letting her. So then they have to, like, drug her up and then it's like, okay, well, how do we get out of this movie then? Well, they pull the old hypnotizing routine sure you know so she's yes almost like against her will turned against him and is bedridden with hypnotherapy starting from the beginning i gotta i have to ask you guys now that you've seen the seance scene i mean accounting for the fact that you know i was a very young kid when i saw it the first time you can see perhaps what scared me so much about it Maybe. Oh sure, I mean it goes from zero to a thousand. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> a just big having turn. A regular old seance, and very quickly uh, it, it gets gets pretty nutty, and then ends in the young girl's death, which right. is pretty intense. So I could especially, I mean, hell, being a child of the eighties, as I'm sure you were, with all the fucking. <laughs> Satanist scare and all this stuff and <laughs> don't play D and D and don't mess with Ouija boards. The fact that this woman dies from one, like I could I can see that freaking people out for sure. That's true. I didn't think of it that way, but uh yeah, that plays right. There was something about it though, it's like maybe and because they didn't use an official Ouija board that actually added to the creep factor of it. Because again, like you I said, love it. The she glass just Yeah, they just laid out scrabble tiles and it's kinda I mean, they're even artistic, dare I say, where they're laying out the scrabble t- tiles and they're shooting from underneath the glass uh, uh, coffee table. Yes. Which is one of my personal favorite shots in all movies. I love <laughs> when they shoot from under a glass coffee table. But it's a, it, it's interesting because it does have this, like, the whole movie has this, like, kind of what we were talking about before where it's like there's something about that time period in that sort of 70s, very early 80s where everything is kind of crummy and worn in and <laughs> just this, like, attention to verisimilitude that's probably not something they designed so much as what was there, but it just has this interesting quality <laughs> It was what was there it. when they shot it that day. Yeah, but the but the and the, the direction of it, too, is interesting because I feel like so many of the shots are, it's, like, either vacillates between, I'm going to find the most interesting way to frame this and, like, just super classic scare stuff where it's just, like, I will now cut to all of these inserts to show that the room is coming alive. And then I will, you know, just make the camera sway. It was just, it was interesting to see the way that the director and company decided to frame them. I just thought it was interesting. 
because it's like I think when you're talking about how it's like it's getting to when you were a kid it was getting to you on this very base on this very like primal level I think it's because it's really gone back to pretty classic uh, horror framing and the way that it was cutting mm-hmm. and yeah. that sort of thing so even though it was very like clearly low budget clearly like <laughs> this is uh let's go film in my living room we'll just dress it differently <laughs> slightly sure. it was like it, it just like it, it threw you off even more because of that i feel like well the, one of the things i love about the seance now that i can put my finger on what scared me was the girl who gets possessed at first she's talking with in a very creepy like you know exorcist like I am the devil. You know, very creepy and she's giving the warning and it's obviously paining her to speak like she's trying to resist yeah. speaking mm. and so that's sort of like a, a very aggressive like oh my god it's a demon that's possessed her and for some reason this demon is warning her off and then they're like who are you it's your father and i'm like oh my fucking god yeah that <laughs> Just, really affected me too it was like oh that's so sad like this feeling that it's like the dad is like reaching through yes different planes and all this stuff to try to warn his stupid daughter <laughs> his fucking just idiot, idiot daughter all his efforts to just like completely ignore all of his advice she goes through this traumatic thing of like her her being you know warned in the demonic father voice by her best friend who then dies in it and then she's just like i mean i was told i shouldn't go home for my birthday but like my family member said that he's like on his deathbed and then they get there and he's like coming out of the garage with fucking tools in his hand. Spry as can be. Spry as a motherfucker. And And it never comes up again. It never, you know, the whole idea (laughs) of like, oh, your uncle's only got a few months to live. It's like, yeah, we forgot about that lie. I think that is the chief flaw. I think it's, it's a, and it's kind of a lot for the movie to overcome, honestly. Like it has so much atmosphere, so much smarts. It's so, it's, it's got such a great, like kind of specific time and place vibe to it. No. But for fuck's sake like there's no way somebody would do that <laughs> there's no I, way she would i mean especially yes. because they don't keep that lie up and they could have kept the lie up right and that would have made that more sense. certainly I, like, I, I feel good because i'm not doing chemotherapy because there's no point <laughs> you know something i i think it's one of those things i don't know why i do like this trope in movies the like everything about everything is screaming that this is a terrible idea and you (laughs) very clearly need to leave and that when the protagonist is so like dirt dumb they just don't um i mean there are movies that do this in a very realistic and well done way i think it's interesting to see modern movies obviously influenced by stuff of this era right certainly this is not the only creepy cult like you know (laughs) you need to leave movie uh, I, I watching this film, I was reminded and thinking of movies like I mean, obviously, Get Out is is, is a, a modern one that has mm-hmm. hypnotism. If he in hasn't it. seen Allison's yeah. Birthday, I will yeah. eat my shoe. Yeah, that has the whole like every second of that movie is like it, there's no I, there's something about there's no ambiguity of just like yeah. you know this is bad like yeah. and 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 you just have to sit there in the tension of it. Um, I even think of things like um, House of the Devils and hundred percent, very much felt like House of the Devil. Yeah, where it's like you have you don't no, don't babysit. You need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. It's like very obviously bad. I think uh, yes, the writing makes zero sense as to why she's fine with everything. I mean, to run down the list, her, her friend <laughs> is possessed by her dead father who rips the pendant she's wearing off of her and says, "Don't go to your nineteenth birthday. Whatever you do." Her friend dies. 
we cut to she's almost 19. She's wearing the pendant. For <laughs> which, one, which, why were you no still wearing do. the pendant? No one would wear that, but There's she's no wearing way. it. That one phone call, it, does, it barely takes a shrug. They're like, how about you come for your birthday? She's like, okay. Sure. You know, where any rational person would go nowhere near. Now like, she's how there. How about we have a birthday party for me a week later? <laughs> <laughs> then when she arrives, she's told, like, by the way, ever since you were an infant, just a quick reminder, don't go past the gate in the backyard because right. there's snakes back there. Apparently, as a child, I don't know what y'all did as a child, but uh, if anyone told me not to go anywhere, <laughs> That was like the first place I would ever go. 100%. So she, apparently her entire life has never ventured back here, but then decides maybe today's the day to find a miniature model of Stonehenge in the backyard. <laughs> and this is a fact that she continually like basically overlooks, even though she's terrified when she's there. And it's always like the fifth thing she tells someone like, <laughs> I think something's going on. And oh yeah, by the way, there's a fucking like Celtic ruin in the backyard. <laughs> so nothing about her made any lick of sense. I will agree. Yeah. But there was something, it almost became funny to me. Like yeah. I, I appreciated that like Literally, the fucking relic big ruins didn't scare her away, yeah. nor did it come up as a red flag. And her, her stepdad or uncle or fucking cult leader number seven <laughs> is like, oh, yeah, but uh, someone was a fan of Stone Age and they made a model. Anyway, like, <laughs> that, well, that and also it's like, Yeah, I love that they had such poor strategy that they literally, their whole strategy for entire life was to be like, don't go back there. And instead, they could have said, isn't it crazy? It's the people who own the house before us made yeah. this crazy shit. We're never going to move it. It's too nuts. You know, like, right. or it's too heavy. Like, really, your whole strategy is don't go back there. Like you say to a child. Yes. <laughs> well, why even have the subterfuge if they've stolen her from birth? Yeah. You could just groom her. Yeah. For the fate she's will have. Like, right. why even lie? Or like, you would basically just raise yeah. her and be like, your fate is to be this basically they a god or goddess is like going from body to body every 103 years she needs to have a new host to possess yeah it's it's just because they're demons and they like to fuck with people because you could see their faces they were like they were about to like come in their pants they were so happy about that part (laughs) where she realized that she was like had switched bodies and was screwed they were just like yeah Oh, fuck. You're talking about the end of the movie. The end which, of the yeah, movie. Yeah. As a sort of haunting uh, it's moment. It's a great, scary it's moment. For the the context of the listener, it's the 103-year-old woman who once was possessed by... Or, surprise, surprise, this movie does not have a happy ending. <laughs> our hero that we spend an hour getting to know gets just dispatched with a gun because he's a moron. And then our possessed heroine, now turned evil, kills him. And then, they go, and then basically, now that the ancient grandmother is no longer possessed they have this really haunting scene where she wakes up and it's as if like a day's gone by and then as she realizes she's in her hundreds <laughs> the movie ends with her going like oh god no while yeah, everyone just kind of laughs focuses on her eyes and they did this I, I had forgotten this until the very last second and then i'm like oh my god this creeped me out as a kid so much when you meet allison the first time when she's doing the seance, uh, a little lower third comes up and it's like, Allison Fenley, 16 years old. Then, you know, they have the seance and then it cuts to, you know, days before her 19th birthday. So and then she pokes her head around the corner, freeze frame. Allison, 18 years, 11 months, 26 days. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny and clever and then at the end when she's trapped in this body and screaming and then you focus in on her terrified eyes then the lower third comes up and 
Allison, 104 years old. <laughs> Which is great, too, because it's like she was 100. They keep saying through the movie, she's 103. She's 103. Oh, right. right. It's her birthday, too. <laughs> yes, because you need a specific... Each victim is born at the exact same moment on the, like, 13th hour or the 13th The 19th hour yes, of sorry. the 19th day of the, the 19th, 19th month of the 19th century and you know yes. just all that nonsense according to the druidian celtic <laughs> calendar or something yeah ali made a funny joke when she first discovered stonehenge while me and longino were singing you know spinal taps stonehenge <laughs> song uh, uh allison said like she's wandering around and we keep kind of you know mystery science theatering every everything she's seeing yes. and whatnot and allison at one point says you know i should go home it's too druidy in here <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty much the movie there's too much druid in this in this house. But yes. you know, apart from this rather colossal problem <laughs> of her of the the original protagonist being a moron, or it it especially when the, I feel like there were so many things that the film could have done to explain that a little better in terms of like you know maybe she's already under some mind like you're saying like maybe there's uh-huh. a subtle grooming that's happened and obviously there is a bit because. She does talk a lot about, like, her obligation to her family and what they've done for her, which also all felt like like a good old-fashioned, just toxic family, you know, <laughs> uh, metaphor, which is nice. Yes. Allie, when I hear you talking about the sort of either plot holes or, or like, character flaws of the movie, while well, I think I agree those are sort of gaping uh, and I can't deny them, uh, I file them sort of under B-movie, like, shock. Yeah, but, but for sure, for but, sure. Um, but I agree with you. What, what I think what was striking about the movie is while that was pretty stock, the the actual uh, and you mentioned some of this, but like the the shot selection, cinematography, editing choices, everything was a little more elevated mm-hmm. than it felt like it the movie deserved or it should be. <laughs> like this could this could have easily with under I guess worse care been a Mister Science Theater film or something, but but like yeah. I feel like it was actually made pretty okay i yeah i i think overall like it's a it's a thoughtful movie like like every every moment of it it's like like i say there's a there's this big sort of plot gap that i'm really struggling with but apart (laughs) from that there's so much detail to it that has this great um it's it's grounding it it's creepy it's you're they're always kind of learning even though you know right away that aunt and uncle are a bad idea as soon as they call <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's like even still you are constantly discovering more about them mm-hmm. right. um and they even have this very thoughtful moment where the aunt is legitimately saying like i'm gonna miss this girl like it's <laughs> this just girl like that i've Whoa. raised yeah right yeah i was like oh that's so lovely um and i feel like that that's always nice kind of like the mark of of uh of a truly thoughtful, otherwise kind of B movie is like some one of the bad guys basically having a very human moment like that. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, 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 uh, we watched a really great movie. I think it was really great last night called oh, the, yeah. the Innocence, which is a very recent um, Scandinavian movie. And there's this moment where, like, I don't want to give things away too much, but where the the villain of the movie like has this moment where he just like sits and like freaks out by himself. Yeah, he's, you know? he's, he's like, sort of unleashed all this terror, and now he's sort of having a moment where he's like, what have I done? Right, and so it's always like nice when it, it kind of tells you, hey, this movie is trying to be thoughtful. It's trying yes. to be like, you know, let's let's think about all what, what <laughs> let's build the world even within, you know, the crazy druid 
cult people. Well, I, and for me, I just like the style. Yes. If I, yeah. Like, like I'm a fucking sucker for like we sit on a shot and then slow like zoom in on whatever. <laughs> yeah, you were frame. like loving the zoom. Yeah, so I'll, like, I can do that, that shit all day. They do that. <laughs> House of the Devil does that basically yeah, for yes. every they fucking totally shot do. of the movie. It's like the zoom in. And I, while we were watching it, I was like, man, we gotta bring it back. Like, let's bring the zoom back because <laughs> oh, it's sort of like it, yeah. passe or like out yeah. of style now. Yeah. Well, and also not only the slow zooms, but. Uh, Longino appreciated the quick zooms, the pop zooms, yeah. where they would zoom quickly yeah. in and out of things. So they they didn't do that a lot, but they did it a few times. When you said, when you mentioned the editing, what was interesting is they had this style of editing that only popped up like three or four times, mm. where and usually at the most like supernatural moments, sure. where like they would be. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. There, you would be in a scene, and then you'd see like. 10 seconds of another scene then back to the other scene for a while then another 10 seconds and and it like a heartbeat it would start to pick mm-hmm. up the you know the 10 seconds that you would see until finally the two uh scenes converge in in some way like at one point allison's sitting around her apartment with her boyfriend and then you cut to somebody dialing a rotary phone and you see that every was very yeah unsettling. Yeah. yeah that was really unsettling and there was yeah it was just like it was a simple tool but it was also just really creepy you know, it was almost like European, like, yeah. I don't know, you know, editing, like uh, watching the seventh seal or something where yes. it's just like the editing just starts making you, you know, feel dicey. And it's like, wow, that's a n- neat trick that you're doing with very simple cutting. Yeah, I appreciated that. That sort of like precise way of cu- intercutting. I also really liked the <laughs> the uh, Stonehenge discovery scene. <laughs> D- there's like a million versions that that would be terrible where th- basically it was like, oh, she's just terrified by the trees in the woods. But they shot it in this really wild way where the camera's spinning around and the editing just gets like insane. Yeah. It really she's feels like lost. she's stuck in it. Like yeah. she's in a thorn bush or and something. And they have this great like repeating sound effect or something sound i don't like animalistic like grunts or something yeah just well it starts like, off just like a uh, 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 you're just like what the fuck is and there's going other on times like, where it sounds like it's a baby crying like yeah. there's all this great like just sort of it's almost something that should be there but it's really not supposed to be there mm-hmm. it's a really cool it's in her mind really cool quality well yeah. the sounding I, there were, they did that a few times where they'd have like some weird sound twanging in the background mm-hmm. and sometimes it was like 70s cheesy but other times it was just like it, it it's like the you know when just like a sting that was just like really off putting like just hearing the sting made you go Ugh, and they would just keep kind of hammering it over it ding 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 and you'd be like oh god please stop but it was really putting you on edge which i like so there's that it's interesting you talk about that scene where she goes out into the stone engine the trees and stuff because i before we cut to go and watch the film i was like what do i remember about this movie and i was like i remember a lot of trees and then i was like don't say that that's gonna sound ridiculous and then when watching it i was like right because that actually is like a big Uh part of it is her maneuvering through all the everybody maneuvering through all these trees and it's like oh okay well that sounds really ordinary apart from that i legitimately thought this was a different movie I think I was thinking about a very different movie and that is also a birthday party movie, but it's, oh, I think it's okay. actually like teenagers. Mm. Got it. So I think I actually did just flip movies in my head. Cause this, the only thing I remember having watched this now was all the like walking through all the trees. <laughs> That's so, funny. That yeah. makes sense. <laughs> we talked briefly about the sort of 
B movie that takes over the movie where our uh, <laughs> boyfriend and, and protagonist sort of suddenly becomes the main character. I think for a lot of that, I mean, he, he basically becomes like this Sam Spade detective story where he's like trying, he's running from car chases and guys in tuxedos <laughs> that are trying to kill him. And it was all rather silly, but kind of fun. And I was almost getting a little sick of it, but then there was a moment where his psychic friend who he enlists to aid him tells him that he needs to get what he really should get instead of a gun is a crucifix. <laughs> so there was something it was just I've never seen this in a movie. Like he needs to get a crucifix in any other movie that we would come to it some kind of way. But in this scene, he just parks the car, casually <laughs> strolls into a church, grabs a crucifix off the wall. The priest walks in like Wait, are you really are you really stealing yeah. the crucifix gives him a look the like the fuck like what and then he just kind of and, <laughs> and runs, runs off and drive peels away while the priest is like you damn dirty like <laughs> i and like a suspiciously handsome priest too so well, he also had like, like the whole thing was weird like flowy hair and yeah yes. he just like did not look like a priest would normally look he was one I'm of the producers probably i'm sure right? it was just one of the oh, producers I'm sure. or, or something. I'm sure. a boyfriend i'm of, sure that guy's friend or whatever or probably the <laughs> owner of the bizarre car that didn't have like, <laughs> okay yes door. Or something. That's I've been waiting to talk about my favorite part of the film, which is the car. <laughs> yeah, the boyfriend has an interesting uh, Jeep, I guess we'll call it. It's an outdoor outback vehicle. It's it looks not, like the stuff it. of anxiety dreams. Like <laughs> I, I, I it, uh, that's what I'm realizing. It looks like the car that I drive in my anxiety dreams. Because I have talked about recurring nightmares. I have this recurring nightmare because I've been in a fair amount of car accidents. I've, I have this recurring nightmare about being on the freeway in this like fucking little too low to the ground <laughs> way too exposed like no sides no roof nothing uh car that will never quite get up enough speed <laughs> suddenly i have to use my feet like i'm a cartoon like your friend Flintstone. <laughs> you know that kind of thing and this car totally reminds me of that like it's it's basically like it's like it's like if you got a Jeep kit sent to your house and you build it yourself. It looks like a golf cart. It's like a golf yes, cart. It looks like a Humvee golf cart. A heavily like a... armored golf cart. It was weird. It was very, very strange. And so it was like the whole time there was this sort of, um, this is really nerdy, but you'll appreciate this weird connection. There was this like weird tension, at least for me, about that car. Yes. Where I was like, is that car going to fall apart? Uh, are they going to be able to take him because he doesn't have any goddamn doors? <laughs> like they're just going to be able to get in there and get him. And it reminded me a bit of the, because um, we were talking, uh, Longino and I were talking about Fanning and Alexander before yes. we started recording. And Fanning and Alexander has this fantastic th um, thing, recurring thing about candles. Uh -huh. And so there's this like weird tension that's never addressed that it's like the whole time you're watching it, you're going, don't drop any of those fucking candles. <laughs> Light your whole fucking house on fire. And no, why is no one bothered by these candles? Right. And watching this, you're like, why is he not bothered by this car? <laughs> like he's in a life or death situation. Like there's well, no acknowledgement of his vulnerability. It's so interesting. There's almost like, it's almost like a, a small, this is very film school of me. I'm sorry. It's midnight. <laughs> I guess I'm going to do this, but it's like, there's this thing where it's like he's so unaware of how vulnerable he actually is. There's this like cockiness and like he's a very sweet right. character, our our actual <laughs> protagonist. But it's like he he is 
has got the kind of cocky young man thing where it's like oh he's well, a douche man like know? the first half of the movie if he got like you know if he wandered into the backyard and got stabbed to death you wouldn't say to yourself <laughs> oh man that poor guy he was doing so well you would just be like yeah he's not really paying attention because nobody's paying attention that's the best part nobody is paying the least fucking bit of attention to all the signals but he starts to which is you know yes where you maybe we should have gotten the hint that like oh he's going to be the protagonist because i forgot his involvement at all in this movie and so i fully expected at one point she'd be like she'd turn to him and be like we need to get out of here and he'd be like now allison <laughs> we need to stay and have your birthday party right. <laughs> right i mean yes the trope would be like he's a member of the cult too right i did sort of appreciate he wasn't i mean it was this long ass shaggy dog story <laughs> that like he just gets shot yeah. and it means fucking jack shit he's completely but, useless <laughs> but that's pretty on par for this kind of movie i was not expecting allison's birthday to end happily so <laughs> no, 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 no. So i, that, I that think we all fitting. would have been a little bit disappointed if that were the case but well that's i mean say what we will about it it is funny that like the uh, the movie knows where it's going it knows that you knows where that you know where it's going mm -hmm. and so it's like yes we'll get there i mean then the tension becomes like well there's no way this can end well if everybody keeps acting a fucking fool so <laughs> you're like can somebody please like pull it together long enough to save this girl and nobody ever does yes. yeah well that's <laughs> that's the stuff that i think felt genuinely poignant and why that ending works so well yeah. is it's like it is one of those movies where you're like oh once again <laughs> this young girl is failed like yes. like the mm -hmm. whole you know like the system man you know <laughs> she's like, gaslit she's, she's gaslit failed. like crazy by her own family who was not even actually sure. her fucking family and then even the boyfriend that like seems like a sweet enough kid like whatever but just does not have you know and he's try he's being you know tenacious he's not just like nah, 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 nah. he's like trying things but it's just sort of like He's it's just, a day late and a dollar short. It's a day what? late and a short. He's not as assertive as would do anything. And really, you get the whole sense the whole time that it's just like she's she's doomed. Well, and I, you know, there's a point where, like, he starts to kick it into high gear. He's like, no, I need to do something. But, of course, by the time he figures it out, he's got to resort to, like, breaking into her, you know, uncle and aunt's house to try and rescue her. And that's when they bust out the, you know... The Australian cops were like, yeah, you come with us, you daddy doer. And, you know, he's he's made to look crazy. And he's the guy who's like, oh, he broke like he's, in. Like he's the one who's actually like stalking her and not listening yeah. to her. Yeah. And it's so interesting because it's like, oh, no, it's literally the other people in the room yeah. that are doing that exact thing. I mean, it's, a you know, tried and true. But, they, you know, they they fulfill it <laughs> to the letter. It's like, no, they make him look crazy. And then when he gets shot at the end, then it's like the cops going, yeah, he had it coming. <laughs> Saved a country at cost of a trial, he did. Wow. I love that they were cockney about it. <laughs> I know, I was like, I'm enjoying the accent. I'm not sure about its authenticity. It's uh, uh, completely 100% authentic. I really loved that, at, like, early on, the aunt and uncle are like, um, don't worry, we'll get rid of him kind of thing. And and I love that they didn't just kill him. Like, I love that it became <laughs> right. this whole, like, cover story about how he's actually just, like, you know, a uh, toxic male who, you know, won't take yes, no for an answer and just right. keeps going back yeah, for why it. involve the police at all? Like, like they get all, it's, <laughs> a, it's so labyrinthian, and so you're just like, why? why? And it's just like, 
Again, I think they're just sadists. I think yes. they want to like fuck with as many people as they can on in the process. Because the other thing is, it's like the whole movie is just about whether or not this ritual is going to happen. But like, why do they even want to have the ritual? Because they're fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there comes a point where like they hold off like they're evil. They're evil. Um, they <laughs> they hold off like killing this guy. They're like, well, we we can't kill him. And I'm like. Again, it's like, well, why not? You seem to, you know, not have any problems well, with this. We need a movie to happen. Well, Johnson. I suppose you're right. <laughs> but I will say it's really funny when they then say it's like, okay, fine, kill him. And then they bust out the tuxedoed warriors to come. Get, because <laughs> everybody's pretty good. I mean, most, great. most everybody else in this movie is dressed in like 70s sweaters and like you know weird dresses and most of the young dudes are all dressed like mm-hmm. convicts you know like denim shirts and, and jeans like convicts in the movie HUD not like <laughs> <laughs> not all... HUD sorry Cool Hand Luke cool hand yes. there you go I still knew what you were talking about which is fine <laughs> <laughs> well I think they were like a year apart both masterpieces please watch oh of course yeah but they you know and yeah, so no, just to see these like he goes to the cemetery and then all of the guys these tuxedos gentlemen pop out of the woodwork yeah, like an Angus Scrim motherfucker at the end <laughs> at the end of a literal cemetery holding like a giant good. scythe or whatever yeah. what was that a, pitchfork, like a pitchfork. Yeah, pitchfork yeah. Yeah. well that was uh, that was I mean uh, this is where I almost like said okay you know I can suspend my disbelief only so much these guys all, all these tuxedo guys grab up our, our guy and they're holding him there and the guy with the pitchfork is moving toward him like I'm going to stab you with this yes. is what everything says and our dude is just sort of like yeah I dare you and it's like <laughs> you're a fucking idiot but then it turns out he actually has something up his sleeve it's like Ooh. they're about to stab him and then he weaves this tale of like oh you kidnapped the wrong baby and they're like huh and they believe him for half a second and then he manages to escape and you know and so forth I just thought of it was just so funny to me. It's like the dude is like staring death in the face, and he's like, "Yeah, come on, do something." <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, I don't think you're negotiating well, I, correctly." He yeah. was very quick-witted in that moment, but when his girlfriend told him to throw the cross away at the end, and he obliges, <laughs> and then she says, "Hand me the gun," and then he does it, <laughs> uh, less sharp. Yeah. And she goes, "Ha ha ha, bang bang." Actually, I feel like that scene we were talking about with the old woman that actually ends the movie in a way sort of saves the ending of the movie oh 100% because in, if this was a bad movie she would have pulled the trigger on him he drops dead in the cemetery or and where, the credits or the roll thing. over his yeah over her, his way too red blood on yes. his shirt. Her, her, her smiling face freeze frames and you know whatever like so I was actually a little underwhelmed, like, well, eh, okay. But, um, yeah, that, that last moment, I think, really brought the movie back to what was working about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it had creep all over it. I mean, I, what, I did not forget that. It was just like, it was all just creepy. Even the stuff that shouldn't have worked still had a creep factor to it. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, got to give them the props for being able to... Because, I mean, a lot of that movie, nothing happens. <laughs> That's sure. the best part. It's like, it's just being creepy and still manages to maintain our attention when literally it's just Allison staring out at the fucking greenery and going, I wonder which way I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. The plot is definitely very glacial, but it is steady. I mean, it's like, it's mm-hmm. going. It's just, it's like, yeah, it's not. Um, I mean, they certainly it's are. It's not breakneck until we get into the, uh, you yeah. know, the research phase of the film. Well, if if what I read was to be believed that they shot this movie in about three weeks, and I'm like, they sure did, and oh yeah, they used first takes all around, and when they needed some uh, to fill some space, 
they just uh, took some B-roll shots of the uh, beautiful greenery. And but hey, time-honored tradition. Hey, I, you know you're the <laughs> yeah you're the ones made a, a movie the most recently, Allie. You can speak to that, right? It's like oh hey. yeah, I mean you never have enough time. Yeah, and, and if you want to do anything special with it, then that takes up a lot of your time. And so then yeah, you get a couple of takes, and that's what you absolutely. get. Absolutely. Yeah, use every part of the buffalo, man. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> that was our motto. <laughs> <laughs> As that is, I think, most filmmakers' motto. Yeah, right. Well, uh, how successful was this film in using every part of the buffalo? Did you all think it held up? Allie, it's your birthday. So yeah. we'll, we'll start with you. Um, uh, it's a close one. <laughs> mm-hmm. this, this is probably the closest I've come to not holding something up on the show. <laughs> hey, you can shoot straight. It's fine. I, I um. I'm trying to think about how I really... Because I feel like there's something really potent about this movie, and maybe I'm projecting because this is sort of subject matter that I think is interesting to make films about, but uh, there's something very potent to me about Allison in her childhood bed in a nightgown, and then they all go, let's go to your party. And she's like, what are you, crazy? I'm in my nightgown. That's just... And the the vulnerability of that character and the way that her feelings and her needs and her safety are so completely disregarded through the whole movie except by a boyfriend. Right. Is just so tragic. And, like, there's something about that that feels very potent to me. That felt and, like... I mean, that, that part was where they busted out the Terry Gilliam, like, fisheye lens, and it felt like yeah. a nightmare in that moment. It really... Yeah. It felt, like, realistically like a nightmare. So, I mean, I think even though I have this big plot hole problem that I think actually could have been pretty easily solved but um <laughs> they did <laughs> well it's one of those things it's like I think it's it's always like uh, you can have it be whatever insanity it is as long as you can believe that that person has an emotional need to be making that choice right. and you don't believe that really <laughs> you know and so it's like oh it's too bad because you were like so close and I could have been like with you on that, but I will say though, like it's definitely much more interesting than your average bear. There's a- there's atmosphere for days, um, there's thoughtfulness for days, and it's definitely a time and place, time capsule kind of thing. So I'm going to say it holds up. Woo. All right, Nelson. Uh, I would be struggling with this one, uh, but that beginning still still affected me. Mm. Uh, the ending still worked for me because yeah. I just remember like it hitting me like right before the end scene happens. I was like, "Oh shit!" There's that girl. Oh fuck! Longino's gonna flip the fuck out. And then, I mean, there's a lot of like ups and downs in this movie, and I think if I was watching this alone, I might go, "Eh, yeah, that was fine." But I watched Longino fucking leap twice. We watched some horror films together, and I have seen the man stone face through every boo <laughs> cut and, you know, jump scare there is. Mm-hmm. And he fucking fetaled up in on the couch when he saw it. And I'm like, something like that has got to, it's got to mean something. So I'm going to, I'm going with holds up because I had a great time watching it, and it's just creepy enough to get me past the finish line. Fabulous. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, wh- first of all, any movie that makes me go, Jesus Christ, <laughs> three times? Like, I, I have to be fair about that. And then also, I just found it really entertaining. I mean, I also gave it the, the biggest test of all, which is I fluffed a pillow, <laughs> laid down, sure did. got into a very relaxed state where I was basically horizontal, <laughs> uh, primed and ready and, and halfway willing to just go to sleep. Uh, and I did not do so. I, I made it through the whole movie. So that also uh, is a, a true testament to the film. Uh, and while, Ali, I do agree 
agree with the flaws you see in the movie, specifically in the writing, where they could have been very easily addressed. <laughs> There's some like negligence, basically, in some parts. I uh, yeah, I, I those don't bother me as much because I don't I don't get as hung up on that stuff because to me it was it's like a mood thing. Yeah, I think the yeah. the movie's got great mood and that goes a long way. And I'm willing to for, I've seen a million bad movies from the <laughs> 70s and 80s, so I'm like willing to kind of go along with the gaping plot holes of it. So, yeah, for me, I think it definitely held up. It was my first time watching it, and I enjoyed it, and I would I would even watch it again. Like, I, I really liked it. I think it would be interesting to pair. You know, we've been talking a lot about pairings. Pairing. <laughs> d- double features. I think it would be interesting to watch um, watch this if you're into giallo movies, because we were talking about those before yeah. this oh, the recording as well. And they also have... Um, uh, you know, they're they're good at making a nightmare, making it feel like a nightmare, Definitely. where it's like, oh, this is sort of ordinary and boring and outright even confusing, and then it's like, oh shit, what is that? <laughs> and and everything feels a little like you're walking in molasses, like a nightmare. Yes. It's funny you should say that because one of the modern reviews I read of it, like somebody who's like you know watching it not a not a 70s critic but watching it now and uh reviewing it one of them said it's like wow it's as if somebody saw rosemary's baby wanted to remake it except as a giallo <laughs> so yeah. it's funny that you say that's a very accurate description except yeah. it's not as violent it's Rose almost Mario's like Mario's yeah. bambine <laughs> no it's practically bloodless like yeah. it's that's yeah. the craziest part is i i or I should say goreless. Bloodless usually means like what? That it has no... No teeth. No but teeth to it, no. No, it, ha- it just it had like zero gore. All the scares... I mean, and that's another thing in yeah. its favor. It's like, it, man, I mean, this is along the lines of Jaws. I think Jaws is more violent than this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. And Jaws... I mean, what, what, one guy gets shot. That's about that's <laughs> right. it. Like, and it's it's like a spaghetti western. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. They couldn't even <laughs> afford a blood pack. <laughs> so. no, nothing violent. Like it's fine. Yeah. So there. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you all for listening, and thank you, Nelson, for bringing Allison's birthday. For oh, us you're to welcome. Watch. Thank you, Allie, for joining us. Thank for you for Allison's having birthday. me here to celebrate my birthday. Oh. I mean, Allison's birthday. And I mean, I don't know anymore. Who am I? <laughs> and your movie. Where can and my be- movie. Where can people find you personally, Allison? You can find me at Allison Starlock, A-L-I-S-O-N-S-T-A-R-L-O-C-K-E, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, also AllisonStarlock.com. And be sure to catch the apology either in theaters in Los Angeles and New York, December 16th, or if you're still at home, then you can watch it on AFC Plus or Shudder. Thank you uh, for listening. If you would like to reach us, you can email us at holduppodcast at gmail.com, or you can visit our website, holduppodcast.com, where we have links to our Instagram page, our Facebook page, our Twitter page, all of those great things. And until next time, nobody move, nobody gets hurt. (laughs) 